we have things that kind of revolve around what our church does that actually happen. You guys remember the Sacred Music Festival, the thing that was sponsored by the Dalai Lama? Yeah. Well, this is another little continuation of the story that went on with that. The Dalai Lama, of course, after that, uh, and had been sick before that, but we haven't seen him on the scene since then. So we know he had a, some effect. And when we knew we were there, we felt the presence of God in a really tremendous way. So we also knew we had an effect. But this last weekend, uh, Mondo was up at uh, Yosemite and up at, uh, doing kind of a, a thing for a prayer thing. And he went up to around the area in Yosemite and started praying and worship and calling out some different things. And not really knowing what happened with that, just that little part, just kind of hold it in, in, in your thoughts there for a minute. What he did was ran into a guy that it works with the sacred music festival. And what he said when he talked to him is he found out when they did that event in Santa Monica, it was all shut down. And they didn't understand why. They, t- they talked about it. It was a very, very big thing to them because they didn't know why nothing worked when they tried it. Everything they did was stopped. And it really shocked them. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. The big thing. And it's even bigger than that because up Yosemite was the very next one of those. What they had planned on doing was blanking the area with a grid of releasing different uh, demonic beings in the area to cover California. And they felt that when they had California, they had North America. So the second one of this was to be was up at Yosemite. Well, when they went up there to do it, they couldn't hear anything. It was just static in their spirit realm. They couldn't hear anything. And it's very interesting because a lot of you don't know. When I went to do that, then I did it with a staff. Now, if you know me, I don't do stuff like that. I don't carry around staffs. I don't do prophetic acts. I don't like any of that stuff. I'm really straight, easygoing guy. Uh, not easygoing, but I'm straight. I don't mess around with funny stuff. But anyway, God had told me to get a staff. And I had a real sense that I should get the staff to go do it, and I should buy it. And so I put the word out. Well, Mondo says, some of a friend just got. And it was, uh, what's her name? Uh, it was uh, Johanna. Johanna had just gotten a staff. From this man, she's a First Nations person, from this other First Nations guy that 17 years earlier had gone up on Half Dome, picked it up from the top of Half Dome, and kept it for 17 years. Now, he had this, and then he was hadn't up going to move, so he decided to give it away. So he gave it to her, and then we got it. So I believe that 17 years earlier, God planned on how we do this, that if we shut off this and we shut off there, we shut off the whole thing. And it shut it off so much that they've absolutely abandoned the rest of their plans to do any more of them in the state of California. That was it. It was done. So that, that is a very, very big deal, if you ask me. But you know, it's the most type of things that's very, very hard to see and very, very hard to know what effect you have in the spirit realm when you do things like that. You know, we always think that we've got to be a large group of people to have an effect. But when I went to do that thing, God said to me, Gary... Go. You plus me are a majority. Amen. It had ob- absolutely nothing to do with me. It had to do with the position we stand in here. And then God brought some people around us to do it. Powerful thing. Small churches have an effect. That we're going to do because we're going to take back this state. And it doesn't have to be a big group of people. Matter of fact, from everything I've learned, smaller group of people work better. Because it's very important who's in the gate. Who's in the gate church. Because what you allow in here 
is allowed in whatever gate you're in or in the state. So we, we are get the opportunity, just because of God's calling, nothing we've done, to be able to participate in something that will change our nation, I really believe. So that's really cool. So I'll, there's all kinds of other stuff like that, that I, that's that been happening, but I'll, not to that degree. I think that's one of the greatest things I've seen recently. Uh, but that's been going on around the, 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 this, this Breakpoint Church, this gate. We'll try to keep them short and precise so we can get to things. I like that that way. But I want you to know what's going on in our midst. There's a lot of things going on, and it's really fun. Now, a question I want to ask you, uh, and it's, we're going to continue on the same subject. I thought I was going to get out of it and not do any more on that area. But God's really pressing me that we need to have a greater understanding for first our own life and also for warfare in the future. Where we're going with this gate and information stuff, first of all, is that God would fill us with his presence and we'd be able to experience him, know him, and move in him in a way that we haven't in the past. Uh, the second part we're going to go on is for warfare. Now, most of us try warfare, and we, we talk about, we, you know, put on our little helmet of salvation, this, that, and the other. But we really don't get what that scripture means. And we don't understand what it talks about doing warfare. But do you think that if God, who is in you, if you could release his presence on a situation, that situation might change? Yeah, it does. And that's where we're going with this. It's going to take us a while to get there because you have to be able to have all those gates in your life open that when you release God in a situation, in a room, in a, in a, in a, a place, that it will have an effect. But you do have the God that lives in you, and that is his intention in your life is to be able to do that. So this is a very intricate part of spiritual warfare. But we're going to take a while to get there. I may have the guy that I've actually... I've borrowed some of the teaching off of Ian Clayton, come out and do that part of it. I don't know. Uh, he's a little kind of a wild man. He goes a little farther than I'm, than I'm really ready. And maybe you're ready to go. But there's big parts of it that I think that are very uh, applicable for right now and that we'll need to do it. Now, is your experience, do you spend time in your life thanking God on a regular basis? Now, and when you think, what op- operates in your thought life? Is it thankfulness, that life is good, uh, that uh, there's, I'm blessed, favor, uh, uh, that you have a great family? All of us don't necessarily have that operating in our mind. And I want to talk about doing some of those changes, because those changes deal with the different gates in our heart, in our life. To be able to, they have to have a change in the way we think. Or do you think, uh, what don't I have? A mate, a friend, enough money, poverty mentality? Matthew says, your heart, where your heart is, so is your treasure. So what is operating in your heart? I want to talk about how you change what operates in your heart. I need this as much as you do. And this is going to be something that I want to walk through with you to begin to change the way you think. We all know that's the definition of repentance. Changing the way you think. Changing, this is also goes back to some of the stuff David Van, Dr. David Van Coovering was talking about. He's talking about a reality that comes from your mouth 
that changes the things around you. Now, a lot of us think about that. I mean, if you've ever been to a business class on sales, they always talk about that. If you've ever been to Anthony Robbins or whatever his name is, they, they all talk about that same thing. And what they've done is they've taken some principles of truth from the Bible and used it for business. And truth is truth. If you take a principle of God and use it, even if it isn't really for God, it will work. But it's our principle. It's the one that our Father gave us. And it's the one we need to learn how to operate in. Because when we, lean, need, when we learn how to operate in that, we're going to live a life that has a lot of victory in it. But just as everything, the kingdom of God is coming. But the strong take it by force. We have to take it. This will not happen by you sitting there. This is a change. Uh, you know, like I was kind of afraid today, Gary prayed. He says, you know, earlier on, he says, you know, help us put on the helmet. No, you put on the helmet. No, you pick up the sword. No, you stand. Everything I know about God is not mamby-pamby people. He's not raised an army of wimps. He raises an army of men and women of God that are powerful. That when the enemy sees us, they they scream and run. And they really do. We just don't know it. The enemy has been smart enough to, to, to fool us in such a way that we think we're already defeated all the time. And that we run in fear of him. But the truth is, he runs in fear of us. Because who is within us? Remember, the kingdom, God himself, dwells within us. We spent a lot of time talking about that. We talked about we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the second covenant, that he would come and dwell within us, that the same God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in, uh, dead dwells in us. That is the promise. That is the truth. The enemy doesn't want you to believe that. He wants you to think in a negative pattern of thinking. We want you to think of what you don't have. Now, a lot of those things came from different things. One of the things I said was uh, bad experiences in the past. I talked about in your childhood and stuff how where you maybe have gotten hurt, something really bad happened to you, and you, you made some vows that you won't trust, you won't love, you won't do a lot of different things. Well, there's a lot of other things in that particular realm that could have happened too. You had uh, a rejection by somebody. Somebody laughed at you. You know, I can, I can remember one of the things that happened to me when I was young. I think I was in... Um, Second grade. I remember second grade, and I was had her, the sweetest teacher in the world. So sweet, I wrapped her around my finger, but she knew it and couldn't do anything about it. So they transferred me to another class, the one next door. Next door was Shotgun Shinnings. This lady was a terror. She was. And matter of fact, the day I came into the class, she pulled my desk, moved it over there, put it in the front of the room, and began to clean it out. Made me clean out all the junk in front of everybody. It was humiliating. I'll remember it to today. I can remember the feeling of it. I can remember the anxiety that went with it. I remember what I feel like, felt like being humiliated in front of that whole class. It scared me from doing what I'm doing right now. Never wanted to be in front of anybody ever in my entire life, period. Bar none. A lot of people want to get out there, do everything in the world to be up here. I did everything in the world to keep from here. That's the truth. Because that affected me. And that got me thinking a fear pattern, a fearful way of thinking. 
It closed down that gate in my life, and I didn't trust anybody, and I didn't want to make a fool of myself. I didn't want to be able to stand up there and feel stupid or be laughed at. I've had other experiences like that, and I know you guys all have too. And they've affected you different ways. And the trouble with it is what our mind does is we keep on playing those old recordings through our mind. And when we play those old recordings through our mind, we develop a rut or a path that is a way of thinking. Now, that way of thinking is rather hard to change. And I'm going to talk and hopefully show you how that's done. Now, you may have had a bad confrontation with someone, too. And those of you that have had those are very afraid of confrontations, never go into them. I'm not afraid of confrontations. I do them. You know, they don't scare me. It's not, it's not unusual to be not afraid of confrontations, but it's not unusual for to be afraid of it. Because the things have happened to you. Those things have to change in us for us to be able to move forward. We have to be not afraid. If you're afraid of a confrontation, guess what? Like after church today, we're going to go grab some lunch and we'll go out on the promenade and we're going to talk with different people. We don't want confrontations, but we want to talk to people about Christ. But you know what? If you're afraid of confrontation, if you're afraid of what people will say and think, you aren't going to do that. You're not going to want to do that because it will be the most uncomfortable thing in the world to you. No, I don't do that. I can't do that. Just like I can't get up here. But you know what? Grow up. You're going to have to learn to do it. You're going to have to get healed up. Hopefully we can help work on those things. Some of it, it's easy for you. Some of you, some of you just going back there laughing, just loves it. <laughs> get in front of more people, the more he likes it. <laughs> Come on, John. That's the truth. He loves it. But not everybody has that. But you know what? That's an opportunity. We can all grow in that area. Uh, Another one that's kind of fun is, it's called the childhood treat experience. Childhood treat. When you were a kid, did you get candy for doing good? Or nice food for doing good? Yeah, a lot of us did. So every time we want to feel good, and we did something good, or want we've done something bad and we want to feel good, we may stick some food in our mouth, or candy in our mouth, or drugs in us, or alcohol in us. Those are all things that creates different things. And there are pathways. They're like a road. You know when you drive, if you drive to a particular job all the time, you usually, usually go the same way, don't you? You got that certain road, you go down, and you keep on going down. It's a pathway. Well, in our mind, there are pathways too. The more repetition of it in that pathway, pathway, the more ingrained and harder that thing is to change. That's why if you've been hurt many, many, many times, then the thing you're going to go down is that normal pathway. Rejection, rejection, rejection. You have that cycle of that. Or whatever the hurt is in your life, whatever the memory is in your life, you're going to run it through your mind. And when you run it through your mind, what you do is you reestablish it over and over and over again. And the more it's reestablished, the harder it is to break. That's why the enemy's there to remind you of these things. And that's why he's done the things that he's done in your life. That you would... Not to be able to depart from that old pattern, the destructive hurt pattern. What happens when you go to work and they have a wreck there, <coughs> and that road is closed off? You usually get mad, filled with anxiety. Most of us don't know how to venture off that freeway around it, so we're stuck. We're going to talk about how you reestablish those things. Some of the stuff I've already said, but I'm going to go into it a little bit more. But I think 
before we can do that, we have to understand this pathway thing and this way of thinking. That's why a gate in your life opens a certain way or operates a certain way, because that is set. I'm going to give you another example, too, to help you <clears throat> understand what happens. You've seen people that have had a spinal injury or a leg injury or something like that. And I'll give an example of my nephew. He had his, broke his vertebrae, the most dangerous vertebrae to break. When you break it, you're usually done. We got to pray for him, and he got healed. He was able to walk and stuff. But there was a, a thing going on. One, they had to fix what had happened there. That's healing one. And healing two is the pathway of how you do that, since that was broken and hurt. Now, the sooner we're able to pray for somebody after they're injured, the quicker it is, because then you only have to deal with healing one, whatever is injured. How many of you have ever prayed for somebody who's had a disability for years and years? Very hard to see the healing. Can God do that healing? Yeah. Probably three things. The thing that's injured, the pathway that needs to be reestablished, and the belief that God will do it. So the longer we wait, the bigger problem we have. The longer you've waited in life, the bigger problem you have too. When, they, when you've lost the use of something for a period of time, <clears throat> what happens is your mind doesn't know how to connect to that thing. It doesn't know how to tell that foot to move. It has no idea where it's get there because it's been a long time. It's forgotten it or the path has been destroyed to, from it. And so it's very, very, they're disabled. They don't know how to make it work. And one of the things they do in rehabilitation is they begin to cause them to visualize it. I don't know why I'm having <coughs> something my throat dry. And what they do is they cause them to visualize that foot moving. Begin to see it in their mind. Now, this is a good thing. With business, they tell you to do that. The trouble is in New Age, they tell you to do that. And so very often the church won't listen to it because New Age says that's how you do it, too. Well, New Age is only imitating what God has done and what God has designed. And... I'm not about ready to give up the good things of God because of some new age thing. And you shouldn't either. Visualizing is a very, very important thing. How many of you have ever had a dream? Or a vision? And how many of you know that the Bible's filled with them? It's filled with them. It's completely filled with them. Hmm? Yeah, maybe that'll help. Don't know. Good news. Clean pot. I don't care. This is a clean spot. That stuff doesn't bother me, really, does it? But, boy, it bothers my wife, though. Look at it. What negative memory do you have that I'm working on right now? What hot spot? Nah, my body's stronger than those germs. Anyway, where was I? Uh, where was I at? Anybody remember? <laughs> Kiss me, hon. <laughs> Where was that? Come on, guys, help me out here. Huh? Visualizing dreams. Okay, visualizing dreams. Okay. Now, you know, one of the scriptures we 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 kind of uh, 
talk about is my people perish because of the lack of vision, right? Now, that vision, I actually looked at the, the Hebrew word for that. It's interesting what it said, if I can find it. Yeah, I'll just have to tell you by memory. It says, oh, here it is. It says, a sight mentally. So it's just like what we're talking about visually. Mentally, a sight is the first definition of it, i.e., a dream, a revelation, or an oracle. Prophetic people know that a lot to do with revelation and seeing things. And understanding things is based upon somewhat of your imagination, Holy Spirit, anointed. Because God gave us imagination and the ability to see things, ability to believe things, ability to hope in things. He gives us that thing. That's part of the thing. So some of these areas in our life, like these different uh, gates in our life, we don't know how to move it like our foot. We don't know how to make that happen. We don't know how to stimulate it because we have no idea how to connect with that part of us. Just like the person that's been injured from a serious accident, they have no idea how to make that toe move. Some of us don't have any idea how to make those different things work in our life. Now, the one I'm going to pick on today is one we've already picked on before. And I'm going to have you imagine with it and begin to practice it. But let me tell you what. If you practice it just here today and no more, it will not change. Promise. You have to practice and you have to put the stuff into practice. Don't be like Jesus said. The foolish person goes and looks at himself in the mirror immediately walks away and forgets what he looks like. That's what it's talking about. One of the things he's talking about when people learn something or hear something and don't put it into practice. You have to, and he used it as a vision to make that point. We have to put these things into practice and we have to make them work. God has ordained healing. It was his original intent for us to be whole. Everything in him wants us to be whole. I said to you last week, and I'll, I'll repeat it because it's very, very important. There's a difference in healing when your healing is just so you be whole and okay. Though that's what God wants, it's a very good thing to be whole. And if, you're, if your pursuit of seminars and teaching and studies and the scripture and God is so you can be whole and feel better and look better. Though it is a good thing and ordained by God, it is part of that tree of knowledge. I want you to get that. It's part of the tree of knowledge. It's a good thing, but it's a good thing. Now, if your track for healing is based upon bringing you closer to God, And to be able to open those gates in your life, that his presence would flow through you, you, and that you would be able to worship him more, understand him more, proclaim him more, to be healed up, to be able to witness to people, then that's not focused on you. and does not come under being the good 
under that tree of, becomes under the tree of life because it's all about him. When anything in our life is focused on us, it's that tree. Remember I talked about the tree in the Garden of Eden? Two trees. One was a life symbolic of Christ. The other was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And man was not deceived by the bad part of that tree. They didn't go out and want to kill somebody do anything bad. They went out for knowledge, a good thing. It was a good thing. But it was not Christ-centered. It was about them getting more knowledge rather than life and God. So at the point you go for healing, if, you, if it's about more about you, that's a good thing. It's a tree of knowledge. And if you're going after healing based upon it being about God, that's a tree of life. God blesses one, and the other one he has a curse. On the day you touch it, you shall surely die. And it is a curse that's in effect today. The second covenant did not take it away from that. The day you go to that tree, the day you operate out of place, you do not get life. It does not bring life to you. You might get feeling better. You might have some neater things, but it does not bring life to who you are. I want to talk about bringing life to who you are. I want to, I want to talk about I, This whole series for me has been incredible. I've actually moved in things of God as, as far as madly in love with them, greater than I've moved, I think, ever before, or at least in a long time. It's, it's renewing me inside. I hope it's doing that for you. But I'm practicing this every day. And I'm looking at it every day, and I'm asking God to show me what he's saying. Show me what this means, how this works. And in that practice of that, God is blessing it. So, is it for God or is it for good? If it's for God, it's life. If it's for good, it's called self-centeredness. It's also called idolatry. You being the idol. Because that's what the focus is, either God or him. I don't know if I can make that any clearer. But that's probably one of the biggest things that you can ever pick up in life and understand. So the motivation is not to be the best. The motivation is to serve him. So how do we establish this pathway to Christ, to the tree of life, uh, which brings regeneration and brings life, also called living from the inside out. Remember what we talked about before, inside out, God flowing through you, rather than you getting acceptance this way, inside out. You have to pick that up if you haven't listened to this. So physical, the visualizing. Why does visualizing count? What happens when visualize? Why do you need it? I actually was talking to Ian Clayton. He actually said something that I had remembered from before we talked about, but kind of forgot to tell you. Visualizing is a way to anchor, and we can't operate without an anchor. To visualize something in the being, it's an anchor to our, our, what we see and what we think. And we have to have that anchor to be able to move from it. The bigger, once we get, like the person, like my, I'll take my nephew. First night, he broke this thing. They actually fused it. Said he'd only be in a wheelchair. All he could do would be a quadriplegic, period. All the rest of them. There's a bunch of other kids that had that happen. Right at the same time, they're all flat on their back in bed. So he'd be able to sit up. Well, he moved his toe the first night. Nurse been doing this for 25 years, says that's impossible. The doctor that did the surgery says that's impossible. It's never happened. He moved that toe. Foot. Excuse me. Foot. Not a lot, though. A little bit. But in moving that foot, there was an anchor that was established. 
He had a faint thought that went through there, a faint road that went through there, that established there. And that built on that. God built on that for him to be able to walk. Three months later, he walked in the soft sand. Big deal. That is a very big deal. It's hard to walk in soft sand. He's walking in there. But with the first thing that was something, he was able to visualize it, remember what had happened. Some of us in those different areas in our life have no ability to visualize what happens, how to open up a gate. We have no anchor for that. What we have to do is begin to establish anchors. Now, you have the teaching. I'm, hopefully one of these times we'll do a, uh, a, maybe like a bookmark or my wife's idea of the different gates so you can start working on them. But we're going to work on the one of hope today. So, Medical calls it neural pathways. It's a road. It's a way of doing things. Painful to change. You know what it says? They t- the medical people tell you? And, 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 and people of change? You're going to have to do it 21 days. You have to keep on doing it 21 times, 21 days, to establish this as a habit in your life. What is happening? In your mind, and there's, it's so far more complicated than this, but I've made it simple because I really don't care about the rest. There's a pathway, has to establish that pathway, have to use it over and over again until it becomes a roadway. From a random thought to a roadway. To something that happens and is locked in there where you're able to travel on it over and over again. So the things that we're talking about is not one time, two, five, ten, twenty-one times it says to establish that thing. To be able to change that way of thinking, the way of operating. So you don't go down that old road that goes to the wrong place all the time. You want to go to a new place. You want to go to the place of faith. To make a complete change, the old has to be cleared, the new one established, and repetition over and over and over again. Now, I'm just going to kind of throw something out there that when I was doing some reading, some medical reading on, 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 on this and what they said, is that I, I'm a guy that likes to do everything the same way because I can make it the fastest, most efficient way possible. I love efficiency. really love it. But they are saying something different. It says that by doing it, become narrow and your personality becomes more singular. And they should try doing things different ways to develop it. And I really believe that's true. Because as I thought about it, I thought about if you try things different ways, in other words, instead of you going home, the one way on that road, just how you try a different road, a different road, it keeps you open, keeps you more able to make those type of changes in your life. So we're going to start working on making the change that, that, that I'm going to pick two things. One, the dealing with hope. Remember where hope comes from? How many places? Hello? One. Right. Thank you, Gary. One place. It's in him alone. God of hope is Christ. He's the God of hope. If your hope is in you, then that makes you God. And that makes you in sin. Your hope is only in him. If there's hope in what you think is going to happen in your life, forget it. So if it's hope in the healing, forget it. If it's hope in getting rich, forget it. Hope has to be in him. He may do that for you, but the hope has to be in him. It's absolutely essential. So the hope, and then I'm going to, then I'm going to ask you to pick something that you continually go negatively thinking on. Every time this happens, you think this way. I want to, I'm going to begin to have you think of where it should be 
just as I want you to think of where your hope should be in him, and begin to make a pathway to that. I want you to begin to make a pathway. Now, as we talked about first, the old one has to be cleansed. That means you're going to have to ask for forgiveness from the past patterns. You have to ask, you're going to have to forgive other people. Uh, you're going to have to uh, choose, choose to believe because in, in the kingdom you're commanded to have faith. It says that it's impossible to please God without faith. And, uh, and, and we've all been given a measure of faith. Remember the other scriptures goes along with you. If you don't practice it, what you literally have is taken away and given to someone else. Well, so you're going to practice it. It's telling you to practice it. <laughs> Put it into practice over and over and over again. So you're going to begin to make those choices to believe those things. And you begin the, the process that is the baby steps of doing something that you're going to need to learn to do the rest of your life if you want to be successful in the kingdom. If you're successful in the kingdom, you'll be successful in life, all of life. Seek ye first this kingdom. Remember that? My favorite scripture. You've heard it a million times from me. I've heard it a million times from God. So um, so we need to change that. Uh, so you're going to need to make a plan. You're going to need to clean the things out of there, out of the way. You're going to need to... Uh, break the vows, forgive people, all that stuff, and you're going to begin to see where you should be going. With faith, it's real easy. It's always to Christ. Not in the thing that you're thinking or wanting. It's in the, into Christ. Okay? And in that, whatever that condition is, let's say, let's say I was working on wanting to get past the fear of people. Okay? Then what I'm going to do, I'm going to begin to, first of all, Work through that process of, uh, of, of forgiving who's ever hurt me and forgiving myself. Ask God to wash it with his blood and remove the memory away from it. I'm going to go through that gateway and cleanse it. I'm going to ask for forgiveness for it and clean it. And then I'm going to say, not that fear of people, how I'm going to act. I begin to see myself acting that way. I begin to see myself being friendly with people long before I go do it. And then I'm going to continually do that. When I, every time I'm going to practice that, put that into practice. Or you can take something else, such as some little hurt that you have that, that causes you to act a certain way. Maybe a big one. You might pick a small one to start off with. They're easier to grow into stuff. And then begin to see yourself operating differently in that. Practice in your mind operating different. And when you practice in your mind how I would do it, is I'd ask the Lord to walk with me down that path. I'd ask Jesus to come in. And walk with me down that path. And to be able to help me get to that place. There's no problem asking Jesus to come along. There's a problem for asking him to carry you. He ain't going to carry you. He does not want wimps. Is there times he carries you in life? Yes. But he does not want to raise a church of wimps. He really doesn't. That's not what he's looking for. Okay, I want somebody, I want to, I want to, you know... <laughs> I love babies. I've got a grandbaby. It's the cutest thing in the world. <laughs> really, really is. Really good looking kid. Beautiful kid. Uh, sweet, fun, and everything else. Eats and poops. Good thing. At what, five months? If he's doing that at ten, I'm going to really have a problem. The problem is we're still doing it at however long we've been around the kingdom. No more. This church, I know you guys are here, don't want to be the same. Because everyone else will leave. Because people want to just sit there and stay the same, aren't going to hang around here. And so I know you want to do this. 
I know you're on board. So you're the right group of people. Couldn't have a better church. People that want to change. So we're going to do that. We're going to work on this stuff. And I'm going to ask you, and one of the things coming up with the uh, glory reports is you, a lot of you are going to stand up and tell me how this changed your life. Because it will. Because if you do it, it will. Promise. If you don't do it, I promise it won't. Nothing will change. You'll be the same. You want to be the same? Same until you're 80? Fine. Not picking on you. (laughs) John Wimber used to always say, help me grow up before I grow old. Really good prayer. That's my hope prayer, too. Help me grow up before I grow old. You know, I've done more in my 50s than I did in any other age of growing up. Why did I have to take that long? I don't know. So, plans and stuff. So, I'm I'm just going to set the path with you first tonight, today, with, I want you to just, I'm going to have you guys close your eyes, and, and on those two different things, I want you to visualize those things. You know, I, I want to visualize that when, you, when your fear comes in, hope being in Him, and asking God to walk you down with you on that path, you know, to lead you, you know, because you always want Him to lead you. Just don't want to always have to be carried. That's what... That's for five-month-olds. They're always going to be carried. You, on the other hand, are not. You are going to be able to walk and carry others down that road. That's the idea. We're supposed to help others carry people down the road. So, pick up, uh, you can maybe just pick one of them now or both of them now. I don't care. I want you to just take a minute. I want you to close your eyes and begin to imagine that. To go through the forgiveness yourself to others, to sanctify that. Bless that particular area. Ask God to walk down that road to you. See what that thing is going to be that he's taking you to. If you're totally lost on how to get there, let me tell you this. If you ask the Lord to show you how to walk down that road, where to go, and what to see, he will show you. I've done this in inner healing before they ever wrote the books on it. 35 years ago I was doing this. And it works. God will actually speak to you and tell you something, show you what to do. If you got something in the way, he'll tell you, he'll maybe have you pull out a sword and cut it off. <laughs> do all kinds of weird stuff like that. And you do that and walk down that. And then you, afterwards, after you've done that and planted that anchor, then every day you're going to do it over and over again. And walk down it, that thing isn't going to be in the road again. If it grew back, cut it off again and deal with it. But I'm gonna just, we're just going to do five minutes of this. You know, and obviously that's not long enough, but this is part of meditation and worship of God. Because it's all about him.